Good morning, and welcome. Uh, my name is Pastor Chris, and welcome to Paris Valley Community Church. We're so glad that you are here with us this morning, and uh, I, I want to thank you at home who are watching and those who are here in studio with us. Uh, we're uh, we're very excited to be with you. We've got some rain outside, so I know it's, it's a little bit colder, so wherever you're at, if you're at home, you get a chance to have coffee and and uh, maybe you've got a fire wouldn't that be nice hey uh, I'm gonna ask AV but do you guys think that we can get like a little fireplace up here or something for like these rainy days that would be nice right I'm getting a thumbs up from the AV booth that'd be kind of cool I'd ask you to open your Bibles with me this morning we're going to be in the New Testament book of Galatians as we are we are continuing in a sermon series in this book that's called why it matters it says, pleasing God in a pleasure-filled world. And we've been with Paul as he's been writing this letter to the churches in Galatia. And he's really, he's kind of calling us out. And he's been focused on why the gospel matters. And why it matters to us now, why it matters to us later on in, in life. And today we're going to hear a very deep message from the Apostle Paul. And it's one that's not going to be too terribly easy to swallow because we've got to call ourselves out this morning. In our culture, we love the good guys, the superheroes, Superman and Batman, gold medal Olympians. We, we, we love firemen and, and heroes and, and those who promote the good in our society. But sometimes we're even willing to bend our morals from what we know God wants us to do and bend from what we know God wants for us so that we can stand up for maybe somebody. I'll give you an example. In our culture, we like to look back at literature. We like to stand up. We stand up for somebody like Robin Hood. All like Robin Hood as, as, as a hero, but then then we forget about the fact that if we we look, eh, you know, he's actually a thief, right? But we'll kind of bend at times so that we can justify who we want to be or who who we expect what we expect out of others. We bend at times. We have a way of looking at people in our culture. And especially coming out of, of a difficult election season and, and not taking sides, but what we do is we, we find it easy to, to look at, at people and we will align with somebody who might have, might have thoughts and opinions that, that resonate with our own and we justify. It happens. But see, the Bible, the Bible doesn't bend. The Bible is very, very direct. And it's very specific when it comes to sin. And it's very bold when it comes to sin. And it's very clear about what sin is, about who sins, and about why we sin. There's really no leeway in Scripture. There are two sides to every movie. We have, we have a, a hero, we have a, a villain, we have good, and we have evil. 
But we have a way of positioning ourselves with the hero quite often. We have a way of telling ourselves that we fall on this hero side, that we fall on this good side. We like to tell ourselves that we are more like the hero than we are of the villain. There are two separate sides. There are two separate traits, two separate lifestyles that we see the Bible is really giving us a clear picture of. And Paul is going to give a clear picture of these in this book of Galatians in chapter 5 as he's writing and continuing his letter to the churches in Galatia. And he's telling them something very important. He tells them about these two sides. He continues in this lesson that we've learned over the last couple of weeks. Come with me into Galatians. We're in chapter 5 this morning. We are in verse number 16. We're going to start in 16 and 17. Paul says this. He says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to each other in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. I want you to see that. Did you hear what Paul just said? He said, doing whatever you want is not on the side of good. It's not on the side of the hero. It's not on the side of the spirit. For those of you keeping notes this morning, here's the first point in your notes that I want you to write down. Satisfying Your own desires is, by definition, sinful. Wow, that's pretty deep, Pastor. Yeah, see, if we're satisfying our own desires, if we're satisfying ourself, that is selfishness, which is sinful. Your desires come from your heart. And we know, and Scripture has told us, that we are born with a sinful spirit. We are born into wickedness. And Paul is telling his audience, and in essence he is telling us, that by default our nature is sinful. I need you to know this. This is very important this morning. You and I, we are not good. We're not. We are wicked. We are sinful. We are wretched. We are selfish. We are lustful. This is our natural state. And when we start listing these things that that we actually are, it kind of can make us feel bad. It actually feels like we're talking about a villain in our story instead of a hero. But that's exactly what you and I are. We are by nature where sin lives. Every single one of us can look, maybe have looked, have been, I want you to imagine, think to a a school, uh, preschool. You've got a lot of four and five-year-olds all over this room and We might walk in and say, oh, look at all the cute kids. They're so cute. But if you've ever worked at that preschool, every single one of us knows that as soon as you turn around, 
the nature of those children is going to come out. As soon as the adult turns their back, there's going to be crayons on the wall. There's going to be gum in hair. There's going to be an inability to share toys. There's going to be name calling. There's going to be hitting. There's going to be biting. There's going to be scratching. You want to see nature in its purest form, just go to a preschool. Because that's what's going to happen at every single class. But see, that's where our hearts are. We're fine. We're fine when, when we think that God is looking at us, but when we think that God is not looking and we can easily put down our Bible guard, we let nature take over. You know, it's against the law. I know here in California it's against the law. And I don't know so much about your state, but it, but it very well may be to keep certain exotic animals as pets. I don't believe that you can keep a pet tiger in your backyard in California. I don't know that you could keep... I don't know if you can keep monkeys in your backyard. I'm, I'm getting a head nod from the AV booth that, no, you can't keep monkeys as your pet. You can email me if by chance you know more about keeping monkeys than I do. But it's illegal because of the nature of that animal. Now you can try and tame a tiger all you want. You can, I'm sure, sit down and, and we've seen popular TV series about tigers, but tigers can, by nature, kill you. Tigers by their nature, can hurt you. That's why we have to keep a distance from them. That's why there is a law to protect us from putting exotic killer animals in our backyard. Paul says he wants you, he says for us to walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. The desires of our flesh the nature of our flesh, the nature of our heart is sinful. The form of the Greek word walk that Paul uses here, it indicates a continuous action, a habitual lifestyle. Walking implies progress. Walking means that you are going somewhere. You are accomplishing a mission of getting from somewhere to somewhere. But walking does not mean walk to and stop. It is a walk. He says to continue to walk in the flesh. Never tells us to walk a certain distance and stop. The flesh itself is not simply just a physical body. It's referred to as the mind as well. If, you're, if you are the deeds of, of the flesh... Include the physical body, the mind, your emotions. Would it be fair to say that all of those fall into a category and we are subject to sin? Our emotions are, our mind is, our physical body is. Paul goes into more de detail here in his letter to the church. His letter to the church in Rome. We're going to Romans for a moment. We're going to put this up on the screen for you. Romans chapter 7, we're in verse number 18. We've got a few verses, and I want you to listen to this. This is what Paul says. He says, For I know that good does not dwell within me, that is, 
in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want to do, I do not do, but I I practice the very evil that I don't want to do. But if I do the very thing I don't want to do, then I am no longer the one doing it, but sin dwells in me. Remember, this is Paul. We're going to talk about that in a minute. This is the Apostle Paul talking. He says, I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good, for I joyfully agree with the law of God in the inner person, but I see a different law in the parts of my body raging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, the law which is in my body parts. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other hand, with my flesh, the law of sin. Here's the application. Whenever we are starting a sentence with the word I, then we are working towards satisfying our own desires. Maybe we're in a relationship with somebody. And we start out a sentence with something like, I want him to do this. I want him, I want, maybe we'll say things like, you know what, I want her to, if we're starting out a sentence with the word I, the end of that sentence is going to lead us towards our own selfish desires. We might say things like, I want, or maybe I'm going to do, or I think I will, or I know what's good for me. Maybe I just want to be happy. Ever said that? Maybe I can, I can do that because, oh, that's justification, right? We're going to justify the sin, When our sentences and our actions begin with the word I, then we are submitting to the flesh. When our sentences start, however, with the word God, it forces us to realize that we have to question our intentions for everything we do. What if our sentences didn't start with I want? What if they started with God wants for me. If our sentences started with the word God, we would have to question our intentions because we really have to ask ourselves, is what we're doing or is, even more profound, what we're about to do, what God wants for me? Because, see, we can't justify, we can't twist God's will for us We have a sinful nature. God doesn't. Paul's going to go into more details about what your flesh desires naturally. And then what life in the Spirit is like. Come back with me. We're in Galatians 5. We're going to be in verse number 19. Paul writes this. He says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, Indecent behavior, 
idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, fashions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty strong words from the Apostle Paul. I want to make sure that we don't justify ourselves out of the words of Paul because Paul's words are God-breathed. This is truth on paper. This is truth of God's word. Here's the second point in your notes this morning. The deeds of the flesh are not somebody else's sin. They are ours. We like to look at that list and say, I'm better than that. That's not my list. That's somebody else's list. I don't fit into that category. I'm going to wait till the next list because I know the good one. I know the hero list is coming. I'm going to be on that one. And what we do is we take ourselves out of this one. We love to blame all of these things on somebody else. We never want to think of ourselves as being immoral or impure or or partaking in indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft. Many of us, I don't don't have any idols at home. I don't have any cauldron or witchcraft spells or anything. So we just say, okay, I have nothing to do with that. But I want you to look at some of these other qualities, these other deeds of the flesh that Paul is talking about. What about hostilities? I wonder if we've ever been hostile towards an authoritative figure. Maybe a boss. Maybe we've ever been hostile towards God. What about jealousy? Jealousy is on that list. I'm sure everyone here has dealt at some point with jealousy. That brings it a little bit closer to home. Maybe you're jealous of a, of a sister-in-law that's getting more attention from the family. Maybe you're jealous of a coworker who got that promotion before you did. Jealousy is on this list. What about selfish ambitions? That's really anything that starts with the word I. We've discussed that because that's a desire of the heart. That's that's me wanting to achieve my goals, my I goals. Sentences that start with the word I belong on this list. I'll be honest with you. I belong on this list. I'm not above this list. I'm not. We get a little further down the road in this list and we see things like envy, drunkenness, carousing. Our society likes to, they like to write off drunkenness as a modern day tolerance, but the Bible doesn't. All over the, the, the Bible, it tells us to be of sober mind. Often it says this. We can try and justify it, but the Bible's truth does not change. Who here has ever been envious of somebody else. Envy. That's on the list. But you want to know something that Paul is saying to us? He's saying these deeds are indeed in your nature and these deeds are 
evident and they're natural. We don't have to think about, you know, the deeds of the flesh. We don't have to scratch our head wondering what those are. He's saying these are evident. You know these. And he's saying you were born with this. Now, I don't want you to use that as an excuse to say, well, I, I, was, I was born with a, with a wicked heart. We all are. That's part of, of everyone since the fall of Adam. We are born in a, in a, a sinful state. But let's not fool ourselves to say that we are born good, live good, and we will die good because we are not, we were not, and we will not be unless we have Christ in our corner. There is no getting from the deeds of the flesh to the fruit of the Spirit without the Spirit of Christ. We don't get there exactly the way that Paul is addressing his audience and he is addressing us is telling them, telling us that your heart is naturally sinful. He goes as far as to tell us this, though. Paul says, I want you to know this. I'm no different. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, the one who wrote a third of the New Testament, one of the most famous evangelists in all of Christianity, the most successful missionary that has ever lived, the man who is credited with saving so many lives for Christ, telling so many people about Jesus, starting so many churches, walking over 10,000 miles on missionary journeys, not driving, walking to tell people about Jesus. And his heart was just like yours and just like mine. He tells us that in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to put that up on the screen for you also. He's talking to the church in Ephesus, and Paul writes this in chapter 2, verse number 3. He says, Among them, we too, he's talking about himself and the others with him, all previously lived in the lusts of our flesh, including the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, just as the rest. This is Paul, the apostle, a man who saw Jesus in the flesh, and Jesus used to bring others into the fold. He's saying as wicked as humans are, as wicked as our spirit is, that was me too. The question is, how can we know where we are going if we don't know where we came from? How can we know how a changed life in Christ is going to affect us if we don't know what our heart is like naturally? We can't go through life saying, well, this is the way I am. This is the way God made me. This is, this is who I am. No, it's a recognition that our nature is sinful, but that's not how God wants us to be. He gives us a direction. He gives us a paraclete. He gives us a helper. It's not our, it's not our goal to continue living in the way that we were born because we were born with a sinful spirit. Honestly, I think it's sad. It is sad when we look at ourselves 
without Christ. If you're a believer, I want you to think back about to the days before you came to Christ. If you are a believer, thinking about how much or how little you have given Christ control of your life. Just remember that we are sinful beings. It's not an excuse. It's not a license. The deeds of the flesh, they're not somebody else's sin. Nobody here today or nobody watching today, not even myself, none of us are above the sins of the flesh. We all struggle with them. There are many of them that we don't even want to talk about in public. We try and keep the sins of our flesh private. But you know what? There are many sins of the flesh that maybe others see in us. And Paul says they see them in us because they are evident. They're evident. You and I can easily see them. But see, here's the, here is the good news. The good news is that there is good news. See, if we live in the flesh, if we live under the desires of our flesh, the desires of our mind, the desires of our heart, we live under sin. Paul starts out this next verse with the word, but three letters that change everything, that make all the difference. Back in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22, Paul says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Here's the next point that I want you to write down. Fruit is what is accomplished by works. But the fruit of the Spirit is not accomplished by our works, but rather God's. We don't accomplish the fruit of the Spirit. We don't accomplish the other side of this coin. The fruit of the Spirit, these are... These are godly attitudes that characterize the lives of those who belong to God. I want to read that again. The fruit of the Spirit are godly attitudes that characterize the lives of those who belong to God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, these are not accomplished by the fruit of you. They're not accomplished by the fruit of me. They're not accomplished by the fruit of your pastor. They're not accomplished by the, the fruit of your family. They're not accomplished by the, the works of and, and the, the fruit of your wants and desires. They are the fruit of the Spirit. They are the produce of God in you. Joy. Joy is, it's not simply the result, it's not even the result of favorable circumstances. 
We know with God we can even find a joy that occurs in the most painful and the most severe circumstances in our life. That's because joy is a gift from God. You might say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm naturally joyful. I can be joyful on my own. Let me tell you this, though. On your own, you can only achieve a specific low level of joy. Imagine if you accepted the gift of joy from the maker of joy. Peace? Peace is that inner calm that results from that confidence in one's saving relationship with Christ. That's true peace. Confidence in one's saving relationship with Christ. Because let me tell you, if you're somebody here today or watching today that does not know where you will spend eternity, your soul cannot have peace. But if you know where eternity is, that's peaceful. And that's not only peace that you will find as we walk towards pearly gates. That is a peace that you find and enjoy now. John MacArthur, he states that patience, patience is the ability to endure injuries inflicted by others and the willingness to accept irritating or painful situations. Patience. The ability to endure injuries and accept irritating or painful situations. We've had to have a lot of patience over the last 12 months, the last eight months, eight, last nine months. How long have we been in in COVID, since like March, right? I'm getting, I'm getting 10 months back here from the AV booth. There's been a lot of patience. And there's a lot more patience to come. We're just getting through an election cycle. We've had to have a lot of patience. A lot of us have been waiting for vote tallies. That took some time. That takes patience. We've had to have a lot of patience with our coworkers, with our family, with our friends, those who have different opinions that we do. Patience doesn't come from your own heart. Patience isn't natural. Patience comes from God. What about kindness? Kindness is, is a tender concern for others. Wow. I wonder if by nature we have a tender concern for others or if we have a tender concern for ourselves. What is natural? Self-preservation, that's natural. That It's more natural to achieve my desires than tenderly addressing the concerns of others. It's not uncommon that at funerals, we like to tell ourselves of the deceased, you know, he was, he was so caring. He was always smiling, always happy, always kind. And it doesn't really matter if the funeral is, is for a Christian or if it's for somebody who had absolutely no faith. We like to say these things at funerals really because it makes ourselves feel better. For somebody who has no relationship with Christ, 
at the end of their life, there was only a limited ability to produce joy. The only joy that you can produce without Christ is to the extent that by nature, we mere humans, mere sinful humans can produce. We are a finite person. We are a finite body. We can't produce joy on the level that God can produce joy and gift to us. Even in the most difficult situations, we can't find joy in that by ourselves. We can find joy in those difficult situations through Christ. But so still we turn down his gift. For somebody with that limited ability to live in a joyous arena of their lives a lot of times we can find that it comes down to having a void of that personal relationship with Jesus it's not just telling yourself that you're a Christian because you go to church a couple of times here and there a couple of times a year maybe or you go to a Bible study here or there you say I was I was raised in a Christian home um, I'm I'm a Christian and you know um, it's 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 all about it's all about love. When when we take the Bible and we twist it, it's no longer the Bible. But if that that twisting of Scripture is what we're living off of, we're not going to find the joy that is deeply found in Scripture that God wants us to find. I want you to see what what Paul writes to the church in Colossae. We're in Colossians chapter three. Again, this is going to be up on your screen. Paul writes this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in the word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul says, do everything in the word, in word or deed, in the name of the Lord. You know what that rejects? That rejects doing everything in the name of ourselves. That rejects doing everything in the name of our wants. We all know somebody in our life. We all know somebody who does not have that personal relationship with Jesus. And we might say, they're a peaceful person. They're a joyful person. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching today. You say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm joyful. I'm joyful with all, without all the Bible. I can take a couple of verses out, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm joyful. I want you to know this. Without Christ, your joy and your peace is limited to what only you can produce. When I think about when I think about what my spirit needs, if I'm going to spiritually be fed based on what I can produce, I'm going to starve. If you're trying to let your own ability create the joy and peace in your life, it's going to be outweighed by your natural desires for fleshly deeds. And you're never going to outweigh that with the peace that you're going to try and achieve on your own. 
We're never going to be good enough to bring enough joy to overpower the deeds of the flesh. I'm going to talk to you for just a moment, and I'm going to talk to that private time. I'm going to talk about those moments for just a second that are so deep that we don't want to let anyone know about. Those powerful flesh moments. Those are going to overpower every piece of joy or peace that you try and create. And let me tell you how I know, because every time those have won your battle, they continue to win that battle, right? That's where the fruit of the Spirit is so needed in our lives. We're never going to win that on our own. But Paul tells us what happens when we come and we have a life with Christ. This is different than just being a Christian. We can come to Christ and we can be a babe in our faith and we can be 80 years old, been saved for 50 years, and be a 50-year Christian in year one of our Christian walk because we never grew past milk. But I want you to see what Paul says next. Come back with me into Galatians 5. In verse 24, he says this, But those who belong to Christ, to Christ Jesus, crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. Let's not become boastful, challenging each other, envying one another. He's saying, if you belong to Jesus, crucify your flesh. Point number four in your notes this morning is this. In order, in order to... For God's work to be shown in us, the desires of our flesh must die. In order for God's work to be shown in us, the desires of our flesh must die. If things are going to be shown that is of God, it can't be of us. Our selfishness can't be what is showing you know how you know when you're on a godly path in your walk? When your walk with Jesus is hard. That's how you know. It's hard because it's against the flesh, it's against your personal desires. It's hard. Because it's against your wants. It's against your natural wishes. It requires love, which you don't want to do by nature. It requires peace, which you don't want to lead towards by reaching your own goals. It requires patience, which means that you don't get what you want right now. Which is the deeds of the flesh. Want to achieve your desires and reach your desires and your goals right now. Paul continued in his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 5, verse 15. I'm going to read six verses to you, and these are so important. Paul writes this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Remember, walk is a continual motion 
making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything that God the Father, or giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. None of that says anything about you. None of it says anything about our own desires. Somewhere as you mature in your Christianity, you're going to be able to say that your desires are to please God. And that's a sign of you growing in your faith. When you say, what I want to do is to please God. What I want from my spouse is a relationship that honors God. What I want out of my marriage is to honor God. When we get to that point, we are maturing in our walk with God. That means we're not living to satisfy other people. We're not living to satisfy ourselves. We're solely living to satisfy God. When your goal is to continually worship Jesus, this is even your goal in the times when no one's looking. In the times when it's private. Is your goal right then to please God? Or is it to live out the deeds of the flesh? Who's going to win that battle at that moment? It's those times when you can smile and you you can sing to Jesus and you don't know why. It's simply because your love of God. It's when you're doing something for other people that Deep inside, you really don't want to do, but you are doing it because it shows Christ to others. Early in your walk, we're simply recognizing the difference between the deeds of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. It's when we realize that our personal satisfactions are worthless because they get us nowhere. Achieving our own personal goals. Achieving our own personal wants. Only gets us to a point where we have achieved our own personal goals and our own personal wants. And that's different than God's will for us. When our will for us dies and we're following God's will for us then we know we're growing in our faith. When we look at ourselves and we put ourselves in the position of the hero, we're fooling ourselves. We're fooling ourselves to say, that list of the fruit of the Spirit, that's me. I'm all of those things. That list of the deeds of the flesh, yeah, that's not me, that's somebody else's sin. It's not. That's us. That's us. Everyone was born with a sin nature. 
we walk according to the deeds of the flesh. Don't be fooled that that's not where we're at. That's where we're at. If you've stopped coming closer to God, you have already reached then the maximum exposure to the fruits of the Spirit. If you stop walking, if you stop growing. There's no one here who has reached the limits of the fruit of the Spirit. You're not going to grow in your Christian faith enough to where you have reached every single fruit. All that you produce are fruits and good works. We're not going to get there in this lifetime. But it doesn't mean that we give up. It doesn't mean that we succumb to the deeds of the flesh. You know how you do it? You know how you grow? You have to remember all the time that this deed of the flesh that is so powerful right now in my mind and in my heart because these are sinful have been crucified with Christ. This died. Why do we still partake in the actions that we know go against God's will for our life? Because we make excuses for them. Because we tell ourselves that it's just a little bit. No one's around. It's okay. I'm saved. God's going to forgive it. I've, I'm, I'm okay. When we tell ourselves that we were saved by the blood of Christ and so we have a license, we're going to continue to succumb to the deeds of the flesh. We tell ourselves, you know, I go, I go, I go, to, I go to church on Sunday. It's, it's okay. Paul told us to walk in the Spirit, but he never gave us a stopping point. He never said, walk a mile in the Spirit and you'll be good. Never said, just walk a couple hours a week in the Spirit, and you'll be good. Never told us that. He said to continually walk, continually grow, continually come closer to God. The deeds of the flesh are not going to go away on their own. You and I cannot overcome them on our own. We have to continually be in the Word and continually be in our walk with God. I told you a few weeks ago that the pressures of this world, they're pulling against you as hard as, as I, and the church is pulling for you. But, but we cannot, I cannot pull you, I cannot pull hard enough to pull you away from the pressures of this world. I need your help. We all need to be in this and recognize the deeds of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. You can't put on a superhero costume and smile and make these deeds and these pressures go away. We can't hide them under a rug when nobody is looking. When the house is empty, when we're on a business trip, when we're gone, when we're away. As you walk closer to Christ, you walk further from the world and the deeds of the flesh. You've heard me say it a hundred times, that you can't grow in Christ and grow in the world at the same time. 
Are you willing to grow further away from the deeds of the flesh? Then we need to go closer to Christ. That's the only way. Because you're walking somewhere. You're either walking in the world or you're walking with the Spirit. If you want to walk further away from the world, if you're looking for that peace, if you're looking for that joy, we must grow and walk in the Spirit. Patience, kindness, self-control, joy, peace. We must be walking with God. It is a continual action that never stops. Because as soon as you stop on that path, the world is going to catch up to you. Let's keep walking in the Spirit together. Let's pray. Lord, this morning I thank you. I thank you that we have a path out of the nature of our sinful hearts. And I thank you that we are not left with the deeds of the flesh. That we are not... We are not subject alone to what we can produce, but you are there to give us hope. Lord, we know that day one of our Christian walk, we're not there. Day one is step one. We want to walk with you for the rest of our lives and into eternity. Lord, don't let us stop walking. Don't let us stop growing. We know what the pressures of this world are. Lord, they're strong. We need you. Lord, keep our feet moving forward in your love. Lord, bring us together on Monday nights for Bible study. Keep us in the word on Sundays. Let our church family come around us. Lord, if there's somebody watching tonight who doesn't have a church family, doesn't have somebody around them, Lord, let them reach out through Facebook or through email or or find the church somehow so that we can come together as a family and, and strengthen each other in our walk. Lord, we see the fruits of the Spirit. We see those. And that's where we want to be. We need those in our life. Lord, we pray that you will continue just flood our hearts with peace and our hearts with joy. Lord, we want to just praise you in everything that we do and sing psalms to you and hymns to you with our brothers and sisters in Christ as we walk out into our community and show others and tell others about you because we know that they too are walking in the deeds of the flesh. Lord, let us pull everyone out and pull everyone towards you. this morning we pray that you hear our song we pray that you look in and see our hearts and forgive us of our sin Lord we love you we praise you and we pray all this in Jesus name